as we get into today's text, um, we're, we're going to be unpacking some, some significant truths. Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. It's the last conversation at length that Jesus would have before he dies. And, and John captures this lengthy, lengthy time, this intimate time with his disciples. And Jesus is pulling back the curtain of eternal truths, of deep truths, of, 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 of how uh, life I- I- I exists and works and how we, his kingdom, will continue while he's gone. The idea of pulling back the curtain, couldn't, uh, I, just, I couldn't help but think of The Wizard of Oz. And many of you have seen the movie The Wizard of Oz. And, 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 and as Dorothy and, and her companions go to seek the wizard, wizard to, to find the needs that they have. And, and you've got this massive head that's floating in space and fire and everything. And, and then Toto the dog runs and finds this curtain and just happens to pull it back. And, and what we see is very disappointing. It's just a mere man. It's just a mere guy pulling some levers, pulling some strings. You pull back the curtain in the Wizard of Oz, it's quite underwhelming. It's quite disappointing. It's much less than we expected. Well, if it's possible to kind of flip that on its head, when Jesus pulls back the curtain for us, it's, it's, it's quite mind-blowing. It's so profound in its depth as Jesus reveals to us, God is one, but God is three persons. Now, we have been talking about this for thousands of years since Jesus has come, but, but this truth is still difficult for us to wrap our minds around that God is one, yet three equal persons. And the implications of that in our lives as we live here today and for all of humanity, in fact, for all time, the curtains pulled back. And, and my hope today is by the power of the spirit, we, we might be blown away that we, our hearts would swell. Now, I know my words are going to be ad- inadequate to do this. Whenever we get into deeper subjects, it's, it's, it's rather difficult because sometimes we can kind of shut down because we're, we're overwhelmed with things we can't, we, we, we can't, we, we just can't contain with our minds. But, but, but bear with me, okay? I like to say in times like these, we need to put on our theological hip waders because it's going to get deep, okay? All right, put your waders on. Just because things are going to be somewhat abstract, or, 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 or deep or difficult to comprehend. Work hard and stay with me, okay? Because this is life-changing stuff. It's, in fact, what humanity, it's the blueprints, if you will, of humanity, it, how it's designed to exist and live and, and be individually and as a whole. Jesus is God with us, but he gives the Spirit... Be God in us to bring us into this beautiful thing called the Trinity, the triune God, loving community. Let's jump in here, friends. John 14, verses 15 through 24. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth 
whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet in a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas is not not Iscariot said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home in with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Friends, let's go to, the, go, go to the Lord in prayer and, and just ask for the Spirit's help in, in comprehending and in experiencing this truth. Jesus, we, we thank you. I can't imagine what it would have been like for the disciples hearing these things for the first time. Of course, not understanding because you hadn't died and you weren't raised and the, and the Spirit had not, had not come, had not manifested. We still need the working of your spirit to make sense of these truths. They're so deep. They're so profound. Even difficult for me to articulate. And, and, and so, Spirit, I just ask that, that, that you would, this is your truth, to, to open our eyes and hearts to receive. Help us to, to, to see, as you pull the curtain back, just the glory, your glory, God. Father, Son, and Spirit. The one God get three. And you've brought us into this loving, eternal community, Jesus. Thank you. Help us to see this, to know this, to experience it, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Previously in the book of John, Jose uh, preached last week, uh, on, uh, on the passage there in verses 12 and such before, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these he will do. Jose explained that the greater isn't uh, uh, the, necessarily the miraculous kind of works, but the extent to which we will do the works that through us, through us human beings, God has done in his doing. He spread the gospel around the world. It doesn't mean that there's not miraculous things he will do through us, but the greater is the extent that he intended the mission, the kingdom, to continue through us around this world. We will continue to do the things that he did, and what those things were was the will of the Father. Throughout John, Jesus is captured in saying, like, I don't come here to do what I want to do. I don't have my separate kind of plan that I'm working on and working out. I do what the Father tells me to do. I obey the Father. Jesus' modeling for us is to love the Father, is to live in obedience to the Father like Jesus does. Now, The task, though, is not as simple as 
just go obey the Father. Just trust the Father. Let's be honest. We, for those of you who've been trying to follow Jesus and, 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 and be a Christian, you've realized, like, man, this is, this is tough stuff. I fail and fall short all the time. Jesus is a, is a good boss, if you will. He's a good leader. He doesn't send you off to a task and, 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 and for you to figure it out. You know, have you ever been in those situations where you've had a parent or a boss or whatever who tells you to go and do a task but doesn't tell you how to do it, doesn't tell you what the resources are to do it with, and, and you're kind of lost and, and what to do? Trial by fire. Trial by fire. Yes. Trial by fire. The anxiety that kind of comes up and like, I've got to, I've got to perform. I've got a task. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the sequences are. I get highly anxious in those moments. My palms start sweating and hearts racing. And, and you know, I'm, I, I will ask lots of questions. I get anxious, not knowing what to do, not feeling equipped to do the task. But Jesus, knowing that we're not equipped, we're not equipped for the task. We cannot obey and love the Father. We were made for that. And so he sends the Spirit. That's what this, this passage is about as he goes on. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This isn't a conditional kind of phrase. He's explaining this is just true. If you will follow me, if you're a child of God, you will love me. And this is what love means. It means to obey me, trust me, follow me. Now you can't do that. So I am going to send my spirit. You need to change. You need something to happen inside of you. In order for you to be different, in order for you to love the Father, you need to be changed. So I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. We don't have to be good enough to to come to God for him to send the Spirit. We don't have to kind of do some dog and pony show. It's not conditional. It's not transactional. Jesus knows that we need to be equipped As we prayed earlier, receiving from God, we need that equipping in us. And that equipping is the person of God himself. God to come in us. Jesus' death was to break the power of sin in our lives because we're self-centered. We're naturally bent on living for us. We want to be king. We want to lead our lives. Again, just as we prayed earlier. I got this. That's, that's sin. That's the human condition in and of itself. Elsewhere, the scriptures explain, like in Paul, Paul's words, he uses, we are dead. And he's not talking about we're physically dead because all of us, we're breathing. You know, our hearts are beating. But we have a spiritual heart that's dead. It's not beating. In the Old Testament, they talked about this being a heart of stone. And that God would send his spirit and God would be in you and, and, and cause you to love God and obey him. Jesus is fulfilling that prophecy and that's through the spirit. It's God in us. Jesus is God with us. The spirit he sends will be God in us. This instruction This clarification for us, which is really important for us to understand. If you love me, 
means you will obey me. You will keep my commandments. You will follow my lead. You will trust me to be king in your life. We have the tendency to redefine this all the time. Okay, if I'm going to follow Jesus, that means he forgives me. He loves me. He, he, it means I can do whatever I want. I can, he loves me. He made me uh, the way he made me. So I'm, you know, I just live out the impulses of my life and my heart, like in terms of what I eat, in terms of how I treat people terms of how I think about my own identity, whether it be gender or sexually or otherwise, I can do what I want because Jesus loves me. Loving Jesus, being in relationship with Jesus is a submission and surrender to his authority and his control and his life in us. That's what's liberating Us being in control is more of the problem. You'll notice in this passage here, Jesus repeatedly states, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Down later in verse 22, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it's he who loves me. Then later then in uh, uh, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word my father will love him. He repeatedly says these things. Now, now what, what's happening here is there's a little bit of what, what we call an inclusio or book ending. So in verse 15, we've got, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then in verse 21 and forward, we've got, uh, uh, oh yeah, Oreos. That's right. On the other end of it, we've got, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is a restatement of the same things. It's like an Oreo because what's in between is what? It's the good stuff. Yeah. This is a form that is used in scripture where it's called bookending, or you can think of it as making an Oreo. All right? Where you see one truth being stated, and then later it's the same truth being stated, maybe a little differently. That means that stuff in between, pay attention to that. Because it shapes how we understand these teaching truths. How are we to love and keep the commandments? We can't do it. So he's going to ask the Father to send the Spirit. God gives us the Holy Spirit. God the Father gives us the Holy Spirit to enable us to love Jesus and live like him. Notice he tells us to love him. We are to love him, but we can't do it on our own. We need to be made alive in Christ. This is the work of God that he does. He's working, he's, the, the, the language of scripture is, he's wooing you. He's pulling on you to draw you to himself. He loves you. Notice how God is initiated. We have that favorite verse, John three sixteen. for God, what? So loved the world that he did what? He gave his son, he sent his son. God initiated, God has stepped towards us and shown us his love. And he's made it physically obvious in human history by sending Jesus. This statement of love for us is a response to the initiating, wooing work of God himself towards you and I. He's pulling us in by means of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit here, he talks about as I will send... I will ask and the Father will send another helper 
to be with you. You notice that word another? Did you pick up on that? What he's talking about as another helper is that the Spirit continues, not a separate work, not something brand new. He continues what Jesus has already been doing. Jesus is the first helper for us. The Spirit continues the work of Jesus, doing it inside of us and in this world. The Spirit then, as the helper, this word helper, for those of, uh, uh, of you who like to dabble in the technical language in the Greek there, is called the paraclete. P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-E. I see most of you are writing it down. Good job. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> what this word means is that this is worth writing down. The one who is called alongside. I'm going to send you another who is called alongside. The spirit that Jesus is sending us is to be for us, be within every one of us. This To call, call called alongside of us is to empower us, to give us power we don't have, to encourage us. When the lies hit us and the darkness comes, we don't feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. When the thoughts of life come crashing in, the past, the lies... Remember from your own personal struggles, <clears throat> the Spirit encourages, is an advocate for us, is a counselor, is a con- one who convicts us. All these things are encapsulated. This, this term is, 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 is multifaceted. You see, what the Spirit is doing in coming alongside of us as a counselor, as an encourager, as a helper, as an empowerer, is that he's always moving us and pointing us to Jesus. He's that friend, if you will, that coming alongside and he's got momentum and he's walking us towards Jesus. He's pointing us towards Jesus. He's saying, look at Jesus. When, when the lies creep in, he's saying, remember who he says you are. When you feel powerless and helpless because of the crap in your life in the past or or to overcome the insurmountable situation that you're in in the present, he's the one who says, I have power, not you. You were never meant to have power enough. You were meant to depend on me. I have the power for you. I'm strong. As the word says, be strong in the Lord and power in his might. Not in your own. Paul, when he was in crisis and he despaired of his life, I mean, he was so depressed. I mean, suicide became an option for him. He just wanted to escape. And he said, in the darkest of my darkest times, I found. And I learned not to rely on myself. I can't trust my mind. I can't trust my experience. I can't trust my abilities. I learned to depend on the God who raises the dead. That spirit of God is to give us power to live. To not be overcome, but to just live. Now, we haven't even got to the good stuff because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Is that good stuff? 
Who wants to have a little bit of that in their life? Not determined by your experience where your relationships, you're not overcome by conflict and tempted to give it with bitterness and unforgiveness. I mean, I've struggled with that even recently. You're not, you're able to be patient with, with annoyances and, and difficulties in life that you are self-controlled, not controlled by your circumstances. You're kind. Wow. To be at peace, at peace. That's the spirit of God. That's the fruit. The spirit in us produces these things. We can't do that stuff. We We've all tried and we've been there. We failed. We need that spirit to give us the power to do so. And Jesus explains the spirit, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That means the spirit's all there. This is the the present tense. And this is where things begin to open up here and, and get a little crazy for the disciples. He dwells with you means that the spirit... That word dwell is like his home, he abides, he's right here present now with us. So Jesus, you're saying you're here and you're saying the Spirit's also here as well. And then there's God the Father. It's in this verse here that we see the coexisting of God the Father, Son, and Spirit all working at the same time. And he will be in you. That's the beauty. This is a game changer in, in the kingdom of God. Is the spirit in us. This is how Jesus can say, because I live, you will also live. His resurrection life isn't, isn't something that happened 2,000 years ago. He's still raised from the dead, friends. And that resurrection is working in us. If God is not three and one, then love is not eternal. Then the scriptures as we have them are not true. Jesus says, the spirit, he's our comforter, our healer, our helper. He comes alongside us. He's pointing us. He's leading us to Christ. But he also says, calls him the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of truth. This is significant. As the spirit of truth. This is to lead us back to the previous words Jesus has just spoken. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Once again, the Spirit isn't doing something different. He's continuing what Jesus has already started. Elsewhere, you'll hear John or Jesus explaining, the Spirit will teach you and guide you into everything I've already taught you. He will continue to teach you those things. With the Spirit doing this, in us, while Jesus right now is working in the heavens to prepare that place to bring all authorities and powers under his feet, serving God the Father, what the spirit of truth means 
is that this truth, what truth is, and this is significant here and now in this day and time, and we're probably going to go a little bit long here, people, just to, just to let you know. What this means is, is, is huge in this day and time and what we're dealing with in the philosophies and teachings that are coming out in society. If Jesus is the truth, and he gives us the spirit of truth, this is several implications I want to walk through here real quick. Truth is external. Truth is not in us. It's not human. It's outside of us. What is true is outside of us. Meaning it's Jesus. Jesus, it's in the person of Jesus. It's not in us. Truth is exclusive. It's not in multiple sources or forms. It's in one source and one place. And that's, again, it's through Jesus. It's exclusive. It's eternal. It doesn't change. This truth isn't fluid. This truth isn't evolving. The truth has been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is so good. Because you know what you believe about yourself? That changes, right? You've experienced that. You know that. What happens in society, the things of what, what, what is true and what is not, what is, what is disinformation and what is accurate, these things are fluid and they're always changing right now. And not just now, they always have been. Because it comes from a human source. But if, if truth is going to be truth, it's got to be unchanging, eternal, outside of time, outside of generation, outside of culture. Finally, truth is experiential. And there's so much more we could say, but these were the things I wanted to, to lean in on today. Truth is experiential. It's not merely principles to, to, to be uh, uh, espoused and believed in and principles to live out and actually. It's truth is a person. The Spirit comes and Jesus says he manifests himself with us. The, the, the truth is to be experienced in a relationship with a real being. It's God. And there are truths, principles that come from the person of God. But it is a person. It's a relationship. It changes us. The truth changes us. And it's pulling us out of falsehood and brokenness and into truth. We grow into that. If this, if this is true, then some things are not true. Let me unpack this real quick then truth is not constructed by human reason. Truth isn't something that we have identified. It's always existed. We may come to understand it. Truth is reasonable. It's reasonable. We can access it. But it doesn't exist because we reasoned it. Are you following me? The, the empirical sciences, if you will, modernism. We didn't find truth. We just verified that it exists. Evidence matters. But our ability to access all the evidence is limited. Why is it limited? Because we're human. 
None of us have access to all the knowledge at once. None of us are unbiased. Anybody's objective in the house? No. We're all biased. We're all limited in our access. Modernism led to the creation of postmodernism, which acknowledged, well, well, if we are limited, then all truth is relative because it's subjective. It's personally, individually seen, and everybody sees something different, and so how can we ever know what is actually true? Truth doesn't originate from personal experience. We see that because we're not just limited, we don't have all the the information, but we're broken. We're not whole. If we were whole beings, if we were perfect, without pain, bias, or problems, then our experience would be that of the truth because we would be Jesus. But there's only one. We're all broken. We can't trust our experience. That is absolutely destructive to, to put that power in a person's hands that you are the definer of who you are. Social constructivism, postmodernism, individual expressionism are, are modern philosophical uh, ways in which we the, the world has... A, It's just new ways the world has made it possible for us to have control and that we are God. Because if I define who I am, then I am God. How dangerous that is. How destructive. It's not culturally determined. It's not determined by the group. Our collective consciousness doesn't somehow equate enough to determine and identify truth. Cultures are destructive. Cultures are limited. And some of you have been defined by your culture because of your behavior and you haven't acted a certain way or you've been shamed and your name is a certain way because of uh, uh, it's not aligned with the culture and you are not an outcast. Your name, you're who you are is not determined by your culture. It's by Jesus. It's not relative across different cultures and times because it's eternal. It's the same person yesterday, today, and forever it's not evolving it's not becoming more because we find out more but again because the problem is friends it is absolutely destructive and problematic if truth if the source of it depends on us and we're seeing it destroy society it will destroy you personally and it will destroy Cultures and societies. I'm going to have the worship team come up here real quick. Just to further illustrate this, I'm going to, I'm going to make some adjustments in my sermon here. On the fly, because I think this is just so important. Because we're going to come back to the Trinity here. But I think you guys need to see and understand because of what we're in today. When we are not conducted, think of, it, think of the illustration of a band or an orchestra. And if every individual instrumentalist in part, what if they all just play what they feel led to play? What if they all just individually are led by their own 
truth. This is what I want to play. It should revolve around what I want and what I believe is right. What do you suppose that's going to sound like? Take it away. Let's go. One, two, three, four. may take a seat thank you how was that that was so good right can you imagine millions and billions of people living life that way it's chaos it's destructive it's horrible i need help me jesus Jesus sends us the spirit of truth because we don't have the truth in and of ourselves. We will err and we are prone to believing error, lies, deceit. We need the truth. The truth is liberating. As Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we know that because he sent himself to live in us, to set us free with his truth. And so the spirit is bringing us into this reality called the Trinity, loving triune community. Where's this language here? Verse 20, jump with me there. In that day, this is talking about the resurrection and Pentecost when the spirit comes upon the people in Acts. In that day, you will know I am in my father and you in me. And I in you. I don't know about you guys when you you read that, but did you get a little lost? John goes into capturing Jesus saying this elsewhere. In John 17, Jesus says this. I do not ask for these only. This is Jesus' prayer for the church, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us today. That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. This in language is... Jesus explaining we're being pulled into a reality. The curtain's being pulled back. God exists as community and he always has. And we're being pulled into that loving community. Father, Son, and Spirit. This in language of I in the... the, uh, Jesus being in the Father. The Father being in Jesus. Is this reciprocal love. What I mean by reciprocal is is, is if, if I show love to Jane... And she then responds, also showing love to me, not as a condition, but if there's back and forth, that's reciprocating. Like a reciprocating saw that goes back and forth. Do you like that? You can tell I had some coffee today. There is this mutual giving and receiving. What hasn't happened is that we have not yet responded to the love of God. God initiated through Jesus. God sent his son. God's always loved us. God has been moving towards you personally. He's been chasing you. And we need to reciprocate. 
We need to respond. And he's giving us the spirit so we can respond, so we can love Jesus. Because God the Father, Son, and Spirit exists as love. If God was not Father, Son, and Spirit, then love is not existing. How can God be love if, if God is not community? Is God some narcissist? How, how, can, how can God be love if there's not, if he doesn't eternally exist in community? This is one of those things that's just going to take some time to just let it chew on it. It gets better as it grows. As Jesus explains in those verses in John 17, they've always existed in perfect love. I love what, what uh, um, Tim Keller says in his book, the, the, the King's Cross. He's walking through chat, uh, the book of Mark, a great book. But he says this, The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are each centering on the others, adoring and serving them. And because the Father, Son, and Spirit are giving glorifying love to one another, God is infinitely and profoundly happy. We talked about in Easter how in the presence of God is pleasure that never ends. Because God is existing in just joy that never ends. It's just this cycle. It goes back and forth. And it's just perfect joy. And that's what he's pulling us into. Go ahead to the next slide. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are pouring love and joy and adoration into the other, each one serving the other. They're infinitely seeking one another's glory. And so God is infinitely happy. I don't know about you, but this stuff gets me excited. When you begin to think about who God is in his nature, he exists as community, and, and that existence is individual persons. They don't, those individual identities aren't overtaken. The Father's not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. They're still individuals, and yet they are a community. Do you begin to understand this is a blueprint for humanity? In Genesis 1, it said, let us, because God is community, Make man in our image. God made us to exist in community, individuals, personal identities, in community, I and we, just like God himself. Each person is individual, and yet together they are God, but they exist in eternal love, pleasure, and joy. And God is pulling us into that by his spirit in us is that tractor beam that he's pulling us Towards community of God. We need this image of the triune God. Of God the Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons in loving joy and community forever. To hold on to that blueprint. That's how we are to exist. That's why we exist. That's our blueprint for action and life in this world. The Trinity. It's not just a good idea. Keller goes on to say this. Why would a triune God create a world? The triune God already received love within himself in a far purer, more powerful form than we human beings can ever give him. So why would he create us? There's only one answer. He must have created us not to get joy, but to give it. 
He must have created us to invite us into the dance to say, if you glorify me, you center your life around me. If you find me beautiful for who I am in myself, then you will step into infinite joy, which is what you are made for. You are made not just to believe in me or to be spiritual in some general way, not just to pray and get a bit of inspiration when things are tough. You are made to center everything in your life on me, to think of everything in terms of your relationship to me, to serve me unconditionally. That's where you'll find your joy. Friends, Jesus saying, if you love me, you obey my commands is an invitation to respond. Respond to me like I've loved you. Join me in this reciprocating, mutual, eternal, infinite joy and love. Make me the object of your existence and your, and your joy and your purpose. Let me be truth. Let me speak truth into your life. Let me be truth in your life and liberate you. Today, friends, as we go forward, I know I've, I've given you a lot to think about. Most of you are still awake. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want you to, one, hold on to the image of the Trinity. That is the blueprint for human existence and your personal identity. Two, I want you to practice, as we did before the sermon, We need to actively be passive. We need to actively receive. Spirit, fill me. Paul explains elsewhere, we need to be being filled with the Spirit because we're leaky. We need to consistently have the Spirit equip us, empower us, counsel us, help us. Call upon the Spirit to work in you. To draw you into that Trinitarian community. And finally, love Jesus. Let him be Lord. Trust and obey. Let's pray. The worship team, come on forward. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here with us. I pray, Father, that you would direct my brothers and sisters who direct us, Lord, in this, this new paradigm you created by your spirit in us. Lord, for those who are, who are just curious and wondering, what is this all? I don't, I'm not, I don't understand. Lord, I pray for clarity where there's been confusion now. Lord, I pray, Jesus, Lord, Father, for joy. Lord God, in, 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 in our minds and our hearts being made larger as the curtain is pulled back. Lord, I pray for a profound meeting As you said, you would manifest yourself. Jesus, we pray for your meeting through your spirit with each of us. Through your word. Set us free with your truth, Jesus. Lord God, let us live out and trust and obey, knowing we are who you say we are. In your name we pray. Amen.